0: Good morning, San Diego. Good morning, commercial real estate markets around the globe. This is your newest edition of the Bricks and Bones Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, James Bengala. I'm a commercial real estate agent here in beautiful San Diego, California, and we have another stunner of a day. Blue sky, 70 degrees. I don't see COVID floating around anywhere. I think we're good. Um, I have a very special guest on the show today, a longtime friend of mine. We have known each other for, I'd say, close to uh, 15 or 18 years. Um, His name is Josh Thomas, and he's joining us all the way from Wilson, North Carolina. Welcome, Josh.
1: JB, what's up, buddy? Thanks for having me, bud. I am super pumped about this. I love your idea. I love the podcast bringing just business-minded folks together in one place talking about commercial real estate talking about different things going on
0: Um, awesome idea dude i'm pumped to be a part of it i can tell you're hyped we we, uh we hopped on a (laughs) phone call yesterday for a little bit and we talked about it and uh, i think you were more excited about it than i was i was pumped about it man it's it's a really cool idea i love the idea
1: of bringing you know the commercial real estate but just business-minded individuals to bounce ideas have a sounding board, pick up some new practices, pick up some best practices. I just think it's an awesome idea to reach out, man, set yourself apart. I think it's
0: fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, the, the I think the underlying foundation for this show is it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I enjoy the small business world. I love the commercial real estate industry. Right. And it's just fun to me. And I, and I feel like the best part of what we do, both of us in our respective fields, is we get to connect with people, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and the more we connect with people and the more, the stronger the relationships that we can bond and, and the more value and, and resources that we can provide people, everybody wins. So yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, obviously I've had some experience in the small business world. You have two. And, and I think that's kind of a good, um, a good segue into kind of where you are now in your career and what you do. So you're, so, Josh, you're the vice president of Southern Bank and Trust in Wilson, North Carolina. And you specialize in small business relationships and commercial underwriting. And you've been in the industry for 10 years. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that is correct, buddy. I sure have.
0: So what's um so what's a day in the life of of a commercial underwriter? What are you what are you doing on a day-to-day basis uh, on a typical day before yeah. COVID bring yeah. up on yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, before the Rona
1: hit us. Um yeah, yeah, yeah man, it's I I think you hit the nail right on the head, you know, being relationship driven, I think is the biggest thing that can set you you, yourself apart in a field of a lot of people, which I'm sure you know, there's a lot of people selling, there's a lot of people selling a lot of different things, Um, being able to bring it down to earth and have a natural, friendly, in depth conversation with somebody where walls come down. I feel like that's what I really specialize in, man, that's relationships finding ways to reach people, finding ways for them to bring those walls down, and let's have an open conversation about finances, looking at ways to help, looking at ways to get creative. Uh, really, the biggest thing that I do day to day is how to think outside the box, how to make deals fits for clients, how to make it fit their lifestyle, and not the other way around, not put them in a bad situation, a situation down the road that may lead to another bad situation, really trying to expand. Expand someone's full relationship by understanding their full relationship, and trying to expand our relationship is really what I focus on on a day-to-day basis, man. That's building out my Wilson clients, taking care of my Wilson market, um, and always on the lookout for prospects and just being open to having conversations.
0: Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And so you're so you're specializing obviously in the relationships, and and so small business owners. Um, what, what classifies a small business owner, like how, what's the volume they need to be doing or, or what's the, the scale of their business to be considered a, a small business and fit into your, um, in, into your program? Well, I think for, you know, a lot of the financial institutions, it could be different, you know, for me
1: specifically from a small business perspective, I'm really looking for those guys that have, you know, I would say anywhere from, 800 900 to about 2 million you know is where we look at a small business client
0: 2.5 at the very high end um and you're saying that's the the amount of uh, of capital they need or that's their revenues
1: typically we look at revenues first before we start going into their capital so that's kind of how we kind of classify our small business folks um looking for them of how they can take that next step you know how do they get more into that commercial realm um, whether it's more income, which obviously all, all businesses want, whether it's diversification in their portfolios, whether it's diversifying their employee base. Um, we work with small businesses on all types of those things, not just in a lending perspective, but really what's going to put you in the best situation moving forward. Um, how do we build on top of the goals and things that you already have in place and dreams that you have for your business how do we ride those coattails and help you achieve them? That's where we start with our
0: small businesses. And then we escalate obviously up to commercial after that. Right, right. And and for a lot of people that are listening and that probably don't know much about Wilson, North Carolina, it is a it is a smaller. It um, is a smaller city, a smaller town. It's got. I, I did a little bit of research before our call. I saw that maybe Wilson, and the surrounding areas, is about fifty to sixty thousand people. Is that right?
1: Yep, that's about right. Yep. I'd maybe and, a little um, bit on
0: the uptick, but yeah, that's about right. So you and I grew up not too far from each other, right? That's so exactly Greenville, right. Wilson are right down the street, and we were. We grew up in the in the heart and soul mm-hmm. of the world's tobacco. Epicenter, right? The tobacco industry.
1: That's exactly right, man. You know, not really number one in the world for tobacco for a long time, um, and right still up there in the in the midst of all of it. You know, you're you're right in that belt of farming and agriculture is absolutely huge. You know where I'm at. Yes, absolutely.
0: I read on Wikipedia this morning that Wilson was called the at one point was called the world's greatest tobacco market. It was. Right. You're exactly right. <laughs> that's 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 pretty crazy
1: way to do your research i mean yep the world's greatest tobacco market it let's was really the first place where you could come and have open-air tobacco markets where people from philip Morris, people from let's say rj reynolds at the time camel they could come and hand pick their tobacco it was pretty crazy but yeah that was what this place was you know it was a it was a tobacco agriculture really built the backbone of the community and now it's expanded into small businesses which is fantastic but yeah that's you know that's the area
0: in which we grew up and you're exactly right you know i've got some some super fond memories and it's kind of like some of those memories when you're when you're going to bed and you're almost falling asleep and and an old memory might cross over your, your mental psyche before you go into your, your dream state. But I've got some really cool memories being a kid, riding the school bus home from from school. And both the elementary school and the middle school that I went to, they were out in the country. I mean, it was, we were surrounded by cornfields and That's tobacco good. fields. And there wasn't a lot of soybean fields back then, but there was a lot of tobacco and corn. And I remember being a kid sitting in the back of the school bus a warm afternoon on the drive home and we we'd be behind maybe two or three of those um farm trucks that were stacked to the top with tobacco leaves oh yeah been picked yep absolutely and you could smell the freshly picked tobacco blowing back through the school bus and um i just i remember that finally and it's it's just it'll, it'll always stick with me it's so cool yeah
1: it's an awesome memory man like you said i think just you know Places like Greenville, places like Wilson, you know, these type of communities, um, you know, blue collar farming, you know, backbone of the country type of people. um, That's the way they act, man. That's the way they treat people. Um, That's the way they do business. And I can tell you, you know, traveling, moving around, us living out west for a couple years, coming back home and being able to help where I'm, uh, has been an absolute pleasure, man, because of those fond memories and things that you speak of, dude. So it's been great to come back and help, obviously, my local community that did a lot for me growing up as well.
0: So, I mean, so that that's a great next step into, um, I mean, that's why you're so perfectly positioned in the role that you are, right? Because you do specialize in relationships and, and a community like Wilson prides themselves on the handshake right on on people sticking to their word and everyone more or less knows everyone and and um it's all about your reputation and relationships and i mean you're you're you are the perfect person in that marketplace to do what you're doing
1: yeah i i think it's a prime location to where if you really want to put the relationship you know side of really banking investment having a real estate broker whoever you're working with if you want to put the relationship side of things to test Yeah, man, you're exactly right. You know, go back and work in the town where you grew up and see how much of you said, like you said, reputation, how you conduct yourself. Everybody does know a lot of people. Um, So putting yourself in the right kind of situation for success, you know, is a big part of that as well. And that's how you want to not necessarily be perceived, but how you want to conduct yourself. You know, I I had an idea of how I wanted to conduct myself once I started doing business. Back in the community that I grew up in, and I think just staying to that and sticking to that has kept me grounded. It's kept me open to new relationships, and to be honest with you, I think it's kept people wanting to come and do business with me because they see that you know it's just a real guy having a real conversation and, and seeing if we can help. Right,
0: right. You're not a you're not a you're not a shark or a wolf no. in a suit. You're no. a, you're an everyday person. You got your family, and you know everyone in the community. So. Um, so that's a good point, taking us back to your, your position at Southern Bank and Trust. So you're the VP there. You've been there for a while. You were with bb for a handful of years before that. What? But so leading up to this, this whole COVID pandemic, what, what, what were the last couple of years like leading up to this as a commercial lender and commercial underwriter at, at Southern Bank? H- what were your numbers like? What types of businesses were you working with and, and what type of volume were you doing? Yeah,
1: man, you know, we had really a, a wide variety, you know, with Wilson now being a suburb of Raleigh, pretty much, you know, we're getting some of the bigger businesses out of Raleigh. I, I get a chance and I really like enjoying with a lot of um, commercial rental portfolios. You know, anyone that could have up to 25 to 40 homes in their portfolio getting really creative on how we can package those loans together, um, finding different options for the clients. But focusing on our commercial real estate has been a big deal here. Our downtown has started to have a real big um, revitalization. So that's obviously opened up opportunities for us as well, looking at older.
0: That's awesome. Go ahead. No, I, I was just saying that's awesome. Did I lose you, Josh? Joshua Thomas, can you hear me? Okay, guys. So we may have just lost Josh for a second. He might have some tef- te- technical difficulties. Up, oh, Josh. Can you yeah. hear me? Okay, you're, he's back, Josh. Oh, sorry back. about that, guys. Um. So, yeah, we were just saying uh, leading up to this whole COVID thing, what's, um, what What have you been seeing, who you've been working with and, and the types of deals you've been putting yeah, together? Yeah, sorry
1: about that. My phone bleeped out. So I, I work a lot with right now folks who have commercial rental packages, um, anywhere from 20 to 40 homes in their portfolios. You know, okay. we're refinancing or redoing the whole package, a portion of their loans, obviously in a rate environment that's changing and shifting pretty dramatically. Uh, people as much as we can. Again, it goes back to that relationship. Um, I think as a banker too, one of the advices that I would give some of your listeners is make sure that you're dealing with a banker that's willing to think outside the box. Um, A lot of the deals and things that we do from a commercial real estate standpoint are downtown revitalization. We're having a lot of people uh, buying buildings downtown, redoing them, renovating them. A bunch of new restaurants are going in downtown. Excellent. So Excellent. So, we're helping our clients with that. So from a variety standpoint, it's all there, you know, really from any kind of commercial real estate, we're, we're able to help our clients, um, volume wise, we've seen we've seen a really good amount of refinances, you know, people just out obviously doing their due diligences, shopping, some of their banking, shopping, some of their rates. But I think when they have a chance to talk with somebody that actually gravitates more towards, well, how are you feeling? about this what does your gut tell you about this decision it kind of stops people in their tracks because they realize that they're di- that they're dealing with a different banker um, and that's something that not only continues to get me more clients get me more revenue but obviously continues to build the reputation to where again I'm able to help anyone in any commercial lending standpoint Whatever I can do, we can look at it, assess it, and make a decision from there. And that's a, and that goes back to making local decisions at our financial institution as well, which is also fantastic.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned a couple of things there that I want to touch on. One is, so you're dealing with a lot of portfolio owners and, and asset managers Correct. that have 20 to 40 units. Now, when, when you say that, is that um, primarily uh, residential rentals? Are they commercial? Is it kind of a mix? Mixed portfolio. It's kind
1: of a mixed portfolio. You know, you'll see a lot of, um, you know, single family homes that are rentals, but there's a lot of duplexes. You know, there's a lot of people that are getting into the larger condominium uh, type of style looking for those type of rental options as well. So it's really a mixed bag of what I'm seeing here. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of everything.
0: Do you see that? Um, and, and I know this is something that we see out here, but there's people that certain investors like a certain um product or certain asset class. Yeah. Meaning that yep. most people, like if you're in the multifamily or you're in the residential rental world, that's what you know. That's what you feel comfortable with. That's your comfort zone. That's where you're gonna invest and, and buy more. Um and then the commercial guys, there's people that look they want to buy single tenant triple net buildings that's That's all they want they don't want a strip center they don't want anything other than that if you can find them that great but they won't even look at another deal is that kind of what you're seeing or do you have a little bit of kind of again i think you hit the nail right on the head i mean
1: kind of a little bit of both um but then again i'm seeing exactly what you said a lot of them already have the specifics of really what they're looking for and what they want in their mind the only thing that i really ever challenge my clients on is that I want them again, to see that we're willing to look outside the box. We're wanting to do something different. And this might be a little bit of an insider tip, but make sure that clients are talking with their bankers on ways to save fees. You know, get, getting creative with how you package these deals together. Uh, Great point. You know, One of the biggest things that I try to do is, you know, I don't want my clients to be paying, you know, $600 to $800 for commercial appraisals if they don't need to. Right. So a bigger loan that uh, again, this would be a certain circumstance where one of these clients come in, Hey, I've got a $5 million portfolio. I want it in a jumbo loan. I want this interest rate. I want that together. It's like, okay, great. That's, that's fantastic. You have your mind set where you want to go. You have an idea of what you're looking for in your rate and terms. Do you want to pay ten thousand dollars in closing costs and appraisal fees? <laughs> that's no, the no, where it comes you. back, Either. where they're like, "Well, well, wait a second. What do you mean? Like, hey, look, I can do the same <laughs> loan, break it up into four different notes, and save you about five thousand dollars. How does that sound? You know, so again, sounds like a plan. That's exactly, sounds like that's a deal. exactly right. So again, just making sure that your folks are looking for people that are willing to be creative, think outside the box, um, and, yeah. and, and get deals done, man, because that's what it's about.
0: So going back to um, um, one of the things you said earlier, as far as the downtown Wilson area being revitalized, yeah. how are you seeing that being affected right now with, with this whole COVID? And, and, and the reason I say that is because one of the things that we're seeing out here in San Diego currently is um, whether it's new construction ground up or if it's just a big TI project, or or whatever the the construction is right now there's a there's a big gray area and i actually just read an article this morning um regarding the gray area of if construction is considered essential or not essential to the economy and 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 what i read and this was a, a law firm that sent out this this email and basically it said hey you know construction by itself is not considered essential however if the construction falls under one of the umbrellas of one of the essential sectors within the industry, whether it's bioscience or if it's uh, the energy sector or if it's whatever, and these guys and these construction workers are doing the work for these companies so they can keep moving, then it's considered essential. So um, so there, there's a lot of a lot of mixed feelings around here. I know a lot of the retail projects in San Diego have slowed down because of that, because is retail essential and and people could argue yes that it is and others could say hey i mean do we really need that today since we have amazon and all these grocery delivery services and can it wait right. um so yeah i'd be interested to see like have you have you noticed anything different since covid hit and the construction going on downtown man what what a great question man
1: and and and, and i think for for this and for some of the listeners on here this is where they're going to see the contrast, obviously, of East Coast and West Coast. Um, for us, it's kind of been the exact opposite, man. You know, our our builders and our guys that are getting it on downtown and in the residential sector, you know, they're going full boat right now. Um, a lot of it could be because we haven't had to shut down like some of the other states have, like, like California has. Some of our folks are continuing to be able to work. You know, our business personnel and our construction people. Um, Being a part of the Home Builders Association, I know they sent out information that they're rocking and rolling right now. You know, so that's what they're focused on is is continuing to get on those projects. Um, Obviously doing the right thing, and I hope put it in the safest manner possible. But we haven't seen the much of a slowdown yet. Um, Now it could be coming. You know, it, it could be changing. That could change within... You know, 48 hours if some rules go down from our governor here in North Carolina, but but right now, from the difference from us, you know, it's really not slowing down. You know, I I got a request that, uh, just yesterday, you know, for another 22 home um, por- portfolio. So people are still looking um, at, after some of this legislation's done. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more businesses are looking. Obviously, you take advantage of some of that tax credit, some of that money, but. For us it's been a little bit of a drastic you know, that's the difference. For us it's still full full steam ahead right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well that's great. That's great news. I mean, it's always good to hear some some silver lining to what's what the overall looming issue that's at right. hand. And you know, I'm I'm personally I've got a couple of um couple of commercial lease deals that I'm working on that are still full steam ahead and the construction crews are still on board and and they're just they're showing up to business as usual. Um, but I know some of the larger ground up building developments and some of the retail projects downtown San Diego and up here in North County have slowed down because there's just this, this ambiguity to, you know, are we, do we have the thumbs up? So I'm sure they're hustling behind the scenes to, to get an answer that they can live with. I think you're exactly
1: with. right. And, and I'll pose this question to you. Um, you know, do you feel like it's we were on such a roll? you know, before this, but we were on a tear, an absolute tear. So it's almost like in my mind, like these guys, it's like they can't stop because they got it, get it in while they can. You know,
0: is that kind of what you feel? Yeah, I do. And, And what I also think was that our construction crews out here, I mean, there are so many really good, really strong, highly competitive, um, construction groups in San Diego that specialize in commercial only and it's a big enough market that they can just yeah, do commercial right, right? Yeah, right and they just do it do it well and have a, a, a pretty large staff and make a boatload of money while they're right. doing it um but what we saw in the last two years leading up to this was that the cost the construction cost to get things done was had skyrocketed it was astronomical yes. Yeah. You, What, here's a good example too. So what used to cost, um, let's say the cost on a a higher end office renovation, right? Let's say there was a 10,000 square foot office building and the whole thing was going to get gutted and renovated, you know, a, a, a renovation cost on that, the TI cost would be somewhere between, you know, 60 to 70, $75 a square foot for a, for a nice high end office build out. Now, Josh, I mean, right before this hit, I mean, we were looking at like a hundred to $120 a square wow. foot. So, so I think what was going on was that one demand for these construction services were super, super high. So they're going to charge right. a premium because that's how, how business works. But then also I think everyone knew that at some point in time, things had to slow down. Mm. So it was let's let's make hay while the sun is shining. Let's let's make the money while we can. Let's pad our our um, our bank accounts and 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 be liquid. So when we when we do experience a slowdown, we're in a good position. So um, it was really crazy. What construction uh, costs were coming back? Some of these bids were coming back, and your jaw <laughs> just dropped. Yeah. You know, you're, you're thinking you're thinking. Okay, this out is going to come back, and it's going to be you know quarter of a million dollars on the space. And it comes back close wow. to half a million dollars, you know, four thousand or, you know. So it's it's been interesting. Um, moving forward, these guys are still just going to keep the pedal to the metal um, as long as they can. Until I, they're told I, not I to, absolutely you know? agree, man. You know, the, my,
1: my only fear is, I guess, that we just don't overextend. You know, we just don't over leverage again like we did a couple weeks of- ago. That's, you know, we can keep yep. that down and keep that going and keep these guys, like you said, rocking and rolling and kind of keeping going through this little slump. Um, it, it's going to be a good thing for us. You know, I don't see that market, um, at least from my perspective and where I'm at right now, I don't see that market going back down. I see
0: it coming back very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if you um, you know, if you if you just look at the basic supply and demand and you, you just think about econ one oh one, I remember my professor Claude Darrell. <laughs> this dude, this dude was a genius. He was like late 80s and he dressed like Johnny Cash. Um, black hair, slick back, thick black frame glasses, black shirt, black belt, black shoes, black pants. This dude yeah. was awesome. But he was one of the smartest, wisest, and funniest men that I've ever met. But You know, he would say, you know, this is going to be just an issue of supply and demand. And the overall underlying economy before this happened, before the COVID, you know, hit everybody, our principles, the underlying principles of what the U.S. was experiencing, unemployment was low. The bank's balance sheets looked good and overall consumer confidence was really strong. So. I'd love to hear your thought on this. My gut feeling is that quarter two is going to be ugly. Quarter three is going to be slightly better than ugly. And then I think quarter four, being that it's the holiday season, consumer confidence will be restored. And, um, you know, I think people want to get back to normalcy. I think we'll start to see a a quick ramp back up to, you know, where the economy was beforehand. What, yeah, what, what I think so too, about?
1: man. You know, I mean, obviously, people want to work.
0: You know, they 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 want to get back out.
1: They want to keep doing their thing. You, you know, you hit on a lot of very important points of where we were, where unemployment was, where people were going, uh, the kind of confidence that they had behind themselves. I would have to agree, man. You know, and some of the forecasters that we get to work with, and we're fortunate enough to hear in the financial sector are, are kind of right along the same lines of what you're saying, JB. Is that this? You know, first quarter, you know, we were really getting after Second quarter um, is going to be probably retention. You know what I mean? From a banking standpoint, you know, we want to make sure we keep our solid clients with us, um, staying with us and take care of any needs that need to happen uh, during this period of time. So I would say second quarter for my kind of profession is going to be really a retention, uh, putting that client relationship to the test. Quarter three, you know, rebuilding, you know, getting some things in the pipelines for people. I think those will start to pick up. And As you see the fourth quarter 2020, first quarter of 2021, I really see us, you know, turning that page, getting back into a rhythm of how I've seen lending. Um, the, the bigger deals, bigger loan opportunities that are coming through, I think you'll see people getting back on board with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, can we just consider 2020 just a reset button? I think, I think, right? we have to. And I, I, I feel like. I feel like 2021 is going to be blockbuster, and and when you say that, like people are like, oh, that's next year. Well, I mean, it's April. It's pretty much April already. So that's only eight months away, um, and you know how fast a year flies by. So I, I feel like this is going to, although this seems like working from home, just is <laughs> just really tough, and it draws out a work week. Um, I feel like the year is going to fly by and I feel like 2021 is going to be blockbuster and people that are positioned, um, whether they've got someone like you that they're working with, or if they're liquid and, and they're, they're strong cash buyers, there's going to be some incredible opportunities. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of different industries as well that are going to see a transformation because of this, Um, especially, especially retail, very
1: much so. You know I, I i think everybody's gonna get back on their feet you know i certainly feel and um just obviously you and i both have been in the restaurant business before um i feel for those people I, I i hate the folks that are getting laid off and the things that are going on but reset's the best word man it's not a loss you know it's not a loss in 2020 because you know we're finding out some things we're going through some things that are going to help us be stronger down the road, individually, financially, industrially. Um, but 2021, yeah, I would have to agree, I think is really and setting up for a big year. Um, it's just getting through this period of time, you know, and really understanding, like you said, either whether you want to keep liquid, set yourself up of working with a good partner that can help you understand and navigate some of the new loan options that are obviously going to come through the pipe with this, um, Federal money that's going to be available. So, just just being open and ready, I think, is what I would give any advice to my clients, future clients, or people just listening who are like, "Hey, man, what are these guys talking about?" Be 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 ready. You know, be, be poised and position yourself that when those opportunities come, go ahead and be ready to take advantage of them.
0: Absolutely. So I just, anyone who just tuned in recently, I just want to let you know that you are listening to Bricks and Bones Commercial Real Estate Podcast uh, with James Bengala. I am your host. And today I've got Josh Thomas on the phone and we are discussing commercial lending, commercial real estate, of course, how they tie together and, and kind of how this whole coronavirus, it's just something you can't not talk about just because it's so big and how it's affecting commercial real estate and small businesses alike. So, um, so Josh, what do you, uh, like moving forward is your, is your, is your bank, are you guys still lending at the moment? Have you slowed down? Are you still just trying to get as many deals pushed through? What What's the stance and the angle that you guys have taken at, you the, know, at this
1: point in time? I'm, I'm fortunate to work for a company that takes a relationship stance first. And that's something that really is important when you're in a role like yours and in a role like mine, where you're dealing with people on an individual basis daily. Um, our... Our business have been rolling, man. You know, we've been doing loans. I've been knocking loans out. You know, we're trying to do our best to help prevent. So our lobbies are closed. Um, Offices are really by appointment only. We have our drive throughs open from our branch standpoint. So I'm able to really operate and do business as usual. I have seen a slowdown um, of people that maybe, like you said, had projects in mind, had certain things that they were ready to get going where they might pump the brakes for a month or two, but I see them coming back into that third quarter, fourth quarter sector of things. Otherwise, I've continued to kind of do my thing, man, stay in touch with my clients, make sure the bigger deals that I've had in place uh, have got a lot of those in the house already, have two or three larger deals that are out there. Luckily, clients and I have discussed this situation uh, before it became a bigger situation. So again, still on board, still on the same page with my clients and those bigger loans are moving forward. So it's kind of a mixed bag. But again, I think it's if you have a good relationship, you're talking to your folks on a weekly, daily basis, and you got a partner you can trust, you, you can work it out.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and moving forward with small business owners, I know um, I've seen a lot and I've, 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 I've read a lot of articles these last two weeks about the SBA and what they're offering. And in my last podcast, I mentioned yeah. just some basic terms. Where on the SBA website, which is sba.gov, um, there are some disaster relief loans, and I think they had two still on their website from past hurricanes, and then they have a new one now for the coronavirus. And and they're lending up to two million dollars to small businesses that have have a have a a strong financial. Um, track record that have been in business that are profitable and their fixed rates I mean money's cheap they were offering money at 3.75 mm-hmm. percent and and then depending on the the borrower's ability to pay back they would issue uh, money out to 30 years which is I mean that's a long time but are you guys um do you play do you assist in the SBA? Um, lending to any of your clients at all, or is it it completely separate from you guys?
1: It it is separate, but fortunately Southern Bank is actually accredited through um, the SBA program. So that's a hurdle that we don't have to cross. We're we're already partnered with those guys. We do a lot of SBA 7A type of loans to begin with. Um, So we have those kind of partnerships in place and people who help us from a lending perspective. I've, I've heard and seen a lot of the same things. You know, some of the things that really kind of caught my eye was I think the interest rate is going to be capped at 4%, which is fantastic for folks. Um, that's going to be a really, really big tool for people moving forward. And so, some of the same information, but if people want to take a little bit of a deeper look, obviously legislation hasn't been passed. But on the ABA site, that's the American Bankers Association. They can go and look at the executive summary of the CARES, that's the COVID-19 Phase 3 Respond legislation, and really get a likely scenario but a lot of these things are going to happen. It's a good read. You can really kind of see what they're basing it off of, your financials, your employees, the status of when and how many employees had to be let go, so there's going to be a lot of language in it. But just again, being ready, partnering with somebody who's also looking at the information, knows the language um ha- having a partner in these things i think is going to be key to getting it done but again that's the american bankers association and that's their executive summary on the cares and that's the COVID 19 phase the phase three
0: response okay so if i'm a small bank or a small bank if i'm a small business owner and i wanted to uh, look at look at my different options for yep. money. I'd come, I'd sit with you. W- would you compete with, or how competitive would your rates be outside of an SBA program?
1: Ooh, that's an even better question. Um, you know,
0: <laughs> cause I know, I know I'm sure at times you could probably beat those rates. If, if it's a credit borrower who's got, um, you know, uh, an 800 or better FICO or credit score and, um, has really clean strong books you know and obviously the small business owner that might be getting hit really hard right now maybe it is a restaurant operator and and maybe he or she is just kind of making it right now and they're just breaking even you're obviously not going to give them a super stellar rate you're going to work with them the best that you can but how would you see your rates comparing to what the SBA is offering and then the time, the time, frame as well. You guys, I would think would move a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, the obviously with
1: this new SBA, depending on what they're going to take down as far as red tape, banks should be able to move pretty quickly on distributing funds to qualified um, people who come in the door. What, what I would say first and foremost is that people, again, need to be prepared. You know, we can't just walk into the bank, hey, I want to get money and hand it out. I wish we could, but we can't. Um, having your financials ready, having the information about your associates and how many people you employed ready. So when you do come into the bank, that's going to help streamline that process as well. Um, As far as the rates go, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy in my role and as a lender is that I get to take a lot of that rate consideration is is mine. And a lot of it that I take into consideration are those five C's of credit. And character is one of the big ones. You know, I think you hit on the head of it that, You know, capacity is great. This person can pay us back. Their capital is great. Um, Collateral is important with those things as well. But someone's character of how they want to do things and how they're going to use the money. um, Because it is guideline, you know, of what can be done, what can't be done with it. Being prepared, working with a partner that's going to be able to point you in the right direction. The rates capped at four, you know, primes all the way down to three and a quarter right now. So I think that you look in between those rates, really anywhere you went. that would be for me too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, let's, um, so we, we've talked a lot about on the micro level of, of kind of what we do, like, let's step, let, let's zoom out. Let's, let's talk yeah, more man. macro now. Let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the country and, and the global economy. I mean, What are your overall sentiments as far as what's going on in the world and and around us? Because I'm looking at, you know, San Diego. um, There's an article that I just pulled out. The SDSU, San Diego State University, um, they just approved a $310 million football stadium. um, Which is is awesome, right? I mean, that's something they had earmarked already. But, you know, they're moving forward that, which is great you know because that'll that'll provide that'll create some jobs and and there'll be a lot of a lot of good stuff there but then on the on the flip side san diego is a highly highly um, tourism driven market as well and tourism here has completely died right right airlines yeah. are almost on um, hotels right. are shut down and once people get here you know restaurants and bars aren't happening and some of the tourist venues aren't aren't available, and um, my my folks were actually in town two weekends ago, and um, we were walking around downtown Little Italy, and this was while everything was still open, and it was just absolutely bumping, <laughs> Little Italy on Saturday, rather in the spring, of yeah. course we were in Little Italy, yeah, uh, but there was also, I, I bring that up, because not only was it bumping, but the music venue that it's a it's a 2 or 3 day music festival that was going on and it's called the Crossed Music Festival and I've been to it with with some friends and it is awesome. a hell of a good time but i'm thinking to myself like okay like this covid thing is starting to get traction around the globe you know would i want to be in a huge music venue right now with with you know 20 30,000 people when this thing is really starting to kind of grow legs and 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 expand across the globe so i know music venues and and and, um, and like the big uh, festivals and everything have been closed down as well. So it's just, it's kind of just hitting everything. And, and I don't know if anyone's really, no, I don't think it.
1: anyone's immune to it, dude. I think,
0: I think that's a great point. I think everyone's going to
1: feel at some point the effect of what it's done, what the future holds, uh, or the current situation that we're in. Um, you know, I, Patience is a virtue, man. I think this is one of those perfect times to where just in general, you know, I think we're going to have to be patient. You know, we're going to have to kind of see this thing through, see where it goes. You know, obviously I would hate to, you know, celebrate too soon. They talk about a spike coming back through in the fall time and different things. So it's just a weird different time, man. But for me, you know, it's, it's time to reflect time to do the things that are important to you. Um, you know, keeping your family close, keeping your friends close, you know, taking time to make sure everybody's okay. that th- That's really what I'm focusing on, man. It's just making sure that I keep a mental strength during these times. Um, like I said, staying in yeah. touch with you, staying in touch with my family, staying in touch with our friends and just making sure that everybody's okay and just getting a chance to hear everybody's view on how it's affecting them. I think we'll, better understand us all on how it's truly affecting everybody you know and, and just pulling together seeing how we can get through this thing
0: that's a great point um i was on a i was on a conference call yesterday we've got little breakout teams within our office our office there's about 50 50 people total between uh commercial ag- agents and brokers and then our marketing team and our admin team and so we've got a good size office so what we've done is we've um created these little breakout groups where you have your own team of four people and you're on a weekly conference call with them right. just to check in weekly accountability meetings and, and they're great but one of the senior guys um in the office he's he's on my team and he said yesterday he goes you know look he goes it is so easy in the world that we live in you know, between having a family and kids and then having a full time career and you're you're really just hustling day in and day out to to be the best version of you and, and you wanna work hard and you wanna be a great dad and a great husband and you wanna you wanna do all these things, he's like, but with that comes a lot of anxiety. Yeah, Oh, and, and he and, and he said, you know, James, he goes, this is one of the best times. He's like, I can't remember in the last two or three years where I've really, really been able to slow down, spend some time with my wife and my kids just around our house, get some things done, you know, sit around and while the kids are studying or watching TV or doing something, I'm, I get to work on stuff or we're all working in the yard together. And and I think that goes back to that reset button, but i think you i think you're right man it's a good time to reflect on this you know what's been going on and how do we prepare for i think you're right
1: it's gonna change it's gonna come back something's gonna happen so i you know i'd rather be prepared for it you know take take the time to get yourself mentally ready for it because things will be different you know regardless of when we open back up and regardless of when we start getting back to normal um you know it's going to be a new normal so i think everybody's kind of taking time to get prepared for that um it is a positive thing um you know I, I i think one of your co-workers hit it right on the head too man like it's it's been fantastic to come home and my my two girls love sports they love their dance they love everything that they do but to just come home and not have to do any of that have dinner sit down right. talk play a couple games and you know and just and just really kind of like we said reflect sit back and think like hey man like things could get a lot worse things could be a lot crazier got my health I've got my family um I've got my friends and I've got a positive outlook I'm
0: gonna take that into the world and see what happens yeah absolutely well let's hit one or two more questions before we wrap up so I do try to keep these podcasts to, to 45 minutes and we're at 43 and a half right now one of the questions I had to ask was um wilson north carolina where you live being at one point in time the world's greatest tobacco market are you seeing a um are you still seeing a, a surge of uh cannabis farming and that industry booming I, I think in your that, area you know,
1: definitely from the hemp standpoint i know that the majority of the farmers and people that i've worked with have set aside anywhere from two five to ten acres solely dedicated to the growing of hemp now um with North Carolina, just a little bit of backdrop, real quick. But like, I actually sat in on one of these studies when the um, North Carolina State agriculture folks came, highly, you know, world renowned for their agriculture. Um, North Carolina has the third to fourth best soil content for that type of growing. So I can see if legislation if legislation changes, North Carolina could be a big player. In that market and in that arena, just because of the soil content, because of the tobacco, the fields, and the crop that we already grow, yeah. we're kind of set up for.
0: It. Well, you are, and and uh, you know all those fields, all that that open green space, yeah. and all those the farmlands over the years that were tobacco and and that are corn or whatever they're being used for. I mean, that's some of the best growing. You've got uh, a wet climate. You've got that, exactly. that coastal plains. Um, dark soil and anyway I, yeah i wanted to see what what the cannabis yeah. industry is doing on your end i've got a buddy here who's um he's big into the cannabis industry i'm gonna That's have awesome. him on the show uh, probably in a couple of weeks and um he's a grower and then he's also he he's got a little manufacturing plant and a delivery service so he's he's got some things going on but um, yeah, I know you and I have talked previously on the cannabis industry, and I just feel Wilson and, and Eastern North Carolina would just have a huge opportunity. I think opportunity. they really do. I think it's you know
1: kind of like we both said, it's already set up for it. You know, we, we have the field, we have the agriculture, we have the resources to be able to tend and turn crops really and truly probably at a higher rate than, than, than other states, man. Just because of the type of ag-based stuff that we have going on right now. I feel like we would be a major player in it. I feel like we would probably be a, an industry leader in it after a couple of years, just because of the type
0: of farming minds that we have here. Yeah, it would be, it'd be interesting to me to, to look at some data on the, the cost per acre um, for a piece of land that's being used for corn or for tobacco versus the cost per acre on somebody who's in using that for cannabis yeah. or hemp. And, and seeing what those price points look like moving forward and how an acre sitting right to another acre, but with a different crop on it could yield a much bigger return for an investor. I that would be something very interesting sh- to think, look you at. Know,
1: obviously, hope I get to be a repeat um, performer on your show. But yeah, I can actually get us information based on some crop notes and based on some bushel prices. And that would be a great segment for us to look at and just talk about what these crops and, and, and projections are looking like. I'd love like- to.
0: I'd Shoot. love to. Okay, last question. Last question. You know this is the <laughs> bell ringer right here. Tom Brady oh, going to the Buccaneers. Yeah, what, are your, what are your what are your what are your predictions this next year? Assuming that the that the, they have the season, the season is is as normal. You know, uh, what are your thoughts oh, man. for Growing Brady and Up in the Haven,
1: Florida, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are my number two team behind the Panthers. Like I've told you, they may have just jumped up into being that number one. <laughs> TB12, NTB, I can't wait for it. Um, we have some stellar receivers already in place. Fantasy football, I can't wait for that to come back again. Mike Evans, our running back, our defense. You know, it's unfortunate because they are in the NFC South with the with the uh, Panthers, but I, I really see Tom Brady getting them to that next stage. They're going to compete for the NFC Championship and maybe even get back and
0: bring another trophy home to Tampa Bay. Do you, okay, do you think do you think they'll have the team to make a run? At I think the Super Bowl adding title Tom Brady
1: put them in contention for the Super Bowl this year. Absolutely.
0: Okay, Bark there, it, you, put it there down. you have it, folks. That's Josh Thompson's prediction on the Buccaneers and to Tom Brady this year. I like it, man. I I think for him. He's what yeah, 42, exactly. 43? Um, and he's going to be there what two or three years, so he'll play until he's forty five ish, and. Uh, He's in great shape. He's going to do well there. And he is. I'm going to go ahead and give it
1: to you the full blow. Sure. Tampa
0: Bay versus Kansas City.
1: Everybody wanted to see Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. I'm going to up that a notch, and we're going to see Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl next year. Woo! Mark it down, Eddie.
0: All right. I like it. Well, uh We'll have another phone caller too, definitely before then, and we'll see. Uh, we'll think, see how things are progressing. But uh, Josh Thomas, uh, Vice President of Southern Bank and Trust in Wilson, North Carolina, who specializes in small business relationships and commercial underwriting, and a longtime friend of mine, going on two decades now. Josh, man, it was so fun having you on the show. I look forward to the next one, whenever that will be. And um, yeah, thank you so much for for being a part of the new Bricks and Bones podcast this is gonna be a fun project and i uh yeah jb i love it i love
1: you too buddy thanks for having me on here um i think what you're doing is setting yourself apart it's giving a platform for different people to connect listen talk and get some good bits of information man so kudos to you
0: thanks for having me on i love you bro and i look forward to talking with you soon hey man i love you too tell the tell the family i say hi you guys have a great weekend enjoy yourselves and stay safe oh hold on wait a minute this was the line that, that people have been sending around this week. Stay safe, stay sane, and stay <laughs> sane. Like I can do all three of those. James, all right, thank buddy. You, buddy. Have a great weekend. See you, Josh. Okay, everybody. That was uh, episode two of Bricks and Bones Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, James Bengala, here in beautiful San Diego, California. My guest today was Josh Thomas a uh, senior banker and VP at the Southern bank and trust in Wilson, North Carolina. Um, And Josh has a ton of experience in the industry. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. You can follow this podcast on Google podcasts. You can catch us on Spotify on, um, breaker and then a couple other platforms as well we're not quite on amazon play i'm sorry apple play yet but that will be coming soon um you guys feel free to reach out to me message me and uh if there's any specific topics you'd like me to address or hit on uh, you know where to find me Uh, my instagram is jbswell and uh anyone